0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Police and security agencies often have access to a wealth of personal information about the people they're investigating, including phone calls, texts, emails, and metadata. Access to that information is supposed to occur under very controlled circumstances, but there's evidence that's not what's happening. In fact, a new report has found that police and other agencies routinely break the law in handling private data. And despite warnings, their conduct is getting worse rather than better. Today, Chief Political Correspondent Karen Middleton on what happens when the people in charge of law enforcement act outside the law themselves. It's Friday, September 23. And people are probably aware by now that police do have the power under certain circumstances to intercept and record people's communications and and also go through their stored data. So can you run me through exactly what it is that can be accessed by police? Yes, well, they can
1: do both of those things. They can, under certain circumstances with the right permissions, intercept our communications, so our phone calls and other kinds of communications messages. And then they can also access, under certain circumstances, data that's already stored, so emails that we've sent, text messages that we've sent, voicemail messages that we've left. The powers also cover our metadata, so that's the record of communications that we've made, where they originated from and where they were sent to, how long they lasted, how big a file might be, uh, phone numbers, addresses, those kinds of things. If police and other agencies decide they need these, for investigations. They can get a warrant and access this through telecommunications companies.
0: Okay. And so tell me what it is that we're learning then about exactly how police are actually using these powers then.
2: Madam Speaker, I present the Telecommunications Interception and Access Amendment data retention bill... 2000.
1: The law they have to abide by in this instance is called the Telecommunications Interception and Access Act, sometimes known as the TIA Act for
2: short. The bill contains a package of reforms to prevent the further degradation of the investigative capabilities of Australia's law enforcement and national security agencies.
1: And every year, the Commonwealth Ombudsman has to have a look at how these agencies are performing under that act in relation to the interception of data and in relation to the stored
2: data. Access to metadata plays a central role in almost every counter-terrorism, counter-espionage, cyber-security and organised crime investigation. It is also used in almost all serious criminal investigations, including investigations into murder, serious sexual assaults, drug trafficking and kidnapping...
1: Now, most recently, there's been a Commonwealth Ombudsman's report into the stored data and how the agencies are going in upholding the law when they're seeking to access those emails, messages, voicemails. And his most recent report is pretty damning, suggesting that they are not actually upholding the laws very well. And in fact, they are continuing to fail to get properly valid warrants to access information, They're not storing the information properly. They're not destroying it when they're supposed to. They're not keeping good records of whether or not a warrant is still current, so when the warrant might end, and that makes it difficult to know whether the evidence that they've got and are holding is able to be used lawfully in a prosecution or whether it's not lawful.
0: Mm -hmm. And when we talk about law enforcement agencies, who exactly are we talking about, Karen? How high up does this go? Well, it's quite surprisingly broad,
1: actually, Ruby. It goes across 20 different agencies at the federal and the state and territory level. These are police forces, their integrity bodies like ICAC in New South Wales and IBAC in Victoria, the Securities and Investments Commission, the ACCC, the Competition and Consumer Commission that keeps a, a watch over retailers and price gouging and the like. So there are a whole lot of agencies that can get a warrant, either from an authorised member of the Administrative Appeals Tribunal or from a judge or magistrate and can access data to use in prosecutions. Now, in the latest ombudsman's report, he was looking at 19 of those 20 agencies because one of them, the Securities and Investments Commission, hadn't used the relevant powers in the 12-month period that the ombudsman was looking at.
0: Mm. And so what about the people whose data is actually being accessed in this way, presumably These agencies would say that these are people who they're looking into, who they're investigating, but how do we know how that works?
1: Well, a lot of the time they're people that they're investigating, but not all the time, and this is where it gets really tricky. They can sometimes access the data belonging to victims of a crime and it is possible for them to do that without the victim being notified and that's under certain circumstances. But the Ombudsman's report suggests that they're not upholding the circumstances there either. And of course, they're also accessing the information of people that they suspect are involved in a crime. But there are some definitional questions about what level of crime, what kind of criminal offence should be covered by this. And so there's some gray areas in there as well. But the overall problem with this is that these criticisms the Ombudsman is making are not new. They've been made every year for years and things are not getting better, they're actually getting worse.
0: We'll be back in a moment.
2: As a a. 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for the Saturday Paper.
0: For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, the Saturday Paper, and you'll receive the Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer.
1: For Sloan Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like, you have this amazing meal that's this friendship, and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then, like, the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest, Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Covert powers used by Australia's law enforcement agencies to access and retain electronic data, including personal emails and text messages, are being questioned after a damning review by the Commonwealth Ombudsman.
0: Karen, we were just talking about how the problem of... Agencies using these data access powers seems to be getting worse each year and the Ombudsman keeps making more and more recommendations about these issues. So if that is the case, what can be done to stop these agencies if they continue to act outside the rules?
1: Well, that's a very good question because there are these penalties in the Act for people within these agencies to be sent to jail if they're prosecuted. The agency we usually look to to prosecute crimes nationally is the Australian Federal Police, but it is among the agencies here that has been criticised. Now, the police say that they have made all the changes that were required since the Ombudsman's report was finalised. But, you know, there's a question, I guess, about, well, who is policing the police? (laughs) Because the most serious recommendations in the Ombudsman's report are targeted at the police forces. The Federal Police and police in the states and territories. So even though the provisions for accountability are there on paper in the Act, the mechanisms for delivering it aren't.
0: So Karen, is there a suggestion then that at this point in time, knowing what we do about what has happened so far, that these powers should be withdrawn? If these agencies are breaking the law, perhaps they shouldn't actually be allowed to access this kind of data anymore?
2: This is disappointing, but I fear not surprising. But we do have a pattern for some agencies of, what will I call it, distinctly unenthusiastic and ineffective response to suggestions for improvement.
1: I spoke to Brett Walker SC, who's one of the nation's most eminent barristers and was actually the original national security legislation monitor some 12 years ago, and he has that very concern.
2: I've been driven to the view that perhaps we should have uh, almost real-time monitoring of compliance, not just annually, so that agencies and more to the point senior officers in agencies who are repeatedly delinquent uh, lose their authority.
1: And even since my interview with him, he's gone further and he's actually suggesting maybe that heads should roll.
2: Now, that means for some senior officers uh, that they won't be able to do their jobs. Uh, and so, yes, I think there should be uh, some resignations uh, if this repeated pattern of non-observances Stipulated safeguards were to occur. And the Ombudsman has
0: pointed out. And what about the Attorney General, Karen? Because the hierarchy goes all the way up to him, doesn't it?
1: Yes, and the Attorney General has said that he is concerned about these findings, that it's not good and not acceptable, that things appear to be getting worse, going backwards. So it's now up to the Attorney General to decide what to do about it. He was a member of the very powerful Parliamentary Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence and Security, known as the PJCIS, that's a standing committee that has its own structure and status under the law, and it examines all national security legislation. It only involves Liberal Party and Labor Party members, and he was a member of it under in the last parliament. And in that time, that committee actually made some recommendations about this very issue, the handling of data, under the TIA Act, and what should change. And among those recommendations, it said that there should be national guidelines developed for the handling of data because it was too disparate and things were not streamlined enough. It made a number of recommendations, 22 in total, and the previous government did not respond at all to that report. It came out in 2020. Two years on, there had been no response. So we know that there is now some pressure on the Attorney-General in the new government to return to that report and to have a look at what should be done about it.
0: Mm. And I'm struck, Karen, by the fact that this isn't the first time that these agencies have been called out on this kind of conduct, but that has not seemingly acted as a deterrent at all. In fact, it would seem that that previous recommendations for them to change have been disregarded. So does it seem to you that this moment, this report will be a turning point? Well, it seems that
1: the Attorney-General is concerned and is serious about doing something. Now, how far he is prepared to go is not clear. There's been some rearranging of responsibilities since the new government took office. The Australian Federal Police has been moved from in the Home Affairs Department to back under the umbrella of the Attorney-General's Department. So it is back in the Attorney-General's bailiwick. It seems like the Attorney-General is motivated to make some changes, but what they will be, practically speaking, is not clear. We know that the new chair of the PJCIS, that committee I was talking about, Peter Carlil, a Victorian Labor MP, is also concerned about what's going on with data handling and was putting some extra pressure on the Attorney-General to do something about it. So it looks like the new government will take some steps, but we just haven't seen the detail yet.
0: Karen, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ruby.
1: Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and
0: Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au Also in the news today, protests took place during the National Public Holiday to mourn the passing of the Queen in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne and Canberra on Thursday. Protest organisers said the marches were to protest the ongoing impact of British colonisation in Australia. And today, new British Prime Minister Liz Truss will announce her new mini-budget, the first major reform package of her prime ministership. Britain is in the middle of an inflation crisis and Truss has promised to ditch a planned corporation tax rise and is expected to announce the creation of a network of low-tax, low-regulation investment zones. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. It's produced by Cara Jensen-McKinnon, Alex Tai, Salton Fetcho and Shane Anderson. Our technical producer is Atticus Basto. Brian Compo mixes the show. Our editor is Scott Mitchell and Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. I'm Ruby Jones. See you next week.